Hello, it is Friday, feel good Friday, phone it in Friday, October 2nd, 2020. We can't thank you enough for choosing to listen. Today's show is packed to the gills. Damian Woody Mm. about to talk about his love for his Jets and how they played last night on Thursday night football, the mega bowl between the Broncos and the Jets. A lot of conversation about that today. Also, Rex Burkhead will join us. Are Mm -hmm. you kidding me? Huge get. Huge get. He flew, I think, 14 yards for a touchdown and got spun and almost landed on his head last week for the New England Patriots. We'll talk to him about everything happening in his life. Also, Trent Dilfer will talk to us about what's going on in the quarterback world and everything in between. And let's not get it confused or twisted here. The Preak Nasty. Preakness Aww. is tomorrow. Aww. So we have a guy from TVG named TVG Mike joining us. And if you do recall, he joined us right before the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. And his picks were absolute trash. <laughs> they were. Could so, have been more wrong. So I have to tell him about that. Yeah. But we don't know anything about what's going on tomorrow. No. So we have to listen to what he's saying, but also have to sort through the horse shit in there to find what we're hammering tomorrow for the Preakness. Great show. Can't thank you enough for joining us. Honestly, cannot thank you enough for joining us. If you enjoy the show by the end of it, be a friend, tell a friend about it. And if you don't like the show, just act like none of this ever happened. Hey, you wasted an hour, hour and a half of your life. Let's just keep it moving. How you doing? Keep it moving. Let's get to the show. Last night's Thursday Night Football was electric and captivating. We'll talk to Damian Woody here in about a moment or two about it all. He's a legendary Jet. What were his thoughts on how the Jets performed against a seventh-string quarterback, Rippin, who sliced and diced and hit the over in the passing yardage, which was the bet that we all locked up. The points went over, which we could have never expected. Sam Darnold went over by a yard and a half and then never threw the ball again. It was a very interesting Thursday night game. Damian Woody. Woody will talk all about it here in about a minute and a half. Cannot wait to chat with him. I'm sure there is some passionate reactions to the Jets looking like the worst football team (laughs) that could have potentially ever stepped foot on a football field at this particular point. Also, Trent Dilfer will join us in about an hour and 22 minutes to talk about some quarterback play and anything else that's going on in the world. And the 2 o'clock hour Eastern Standard Time, we have Rex Burkhead, the running back that I think leaped about five, six yards and got spun and landed on his head while scoring a touchdown last weekend against the Las Vegas Raiders for the New England Patriots. He'll join us to talk a little shop, how the Patriots are doing, when did he know Cam Newton was going to be a great fit in New England, all that type of stuff, including his incredible career that he's had traveling around and finding a home ultimately in the dynasty of the new england patriots and after that in two o'clock hour eastern standard time we have tvg mike joining us to talk yes. about preak nasty tomorrow yes you'll be able to bet on some ponies tvg mike was on the show last talking about the kentucky derby and turns out tvg mike was 100 percent fucking wrong whenever he was talking about that but whenever you talk preakness and when you talk horses there's no authoritarian figure that you would rather talk to than tvg mike we will let him know that kentucky derby lost us a lot of money yeah. a lot of money oh yeah yeah but what TVG Mike will do, if we know anything about TVG Mike, he'll bounce back. Oh, hell exactly yeah. Right. He will bounce back. He will get us the smart ponies, the fast ponies, and those who will be able to run in Baltimore. I think so. I think that's yeah. where Preakness is. Pre- Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore, big horse yeah. guy. In Baltimore, which horse will outrun every other horse 
in Baltimore. Which horse will be Lamar Jackson? Which horse will be Joe Flacco? Which horse is getting run out of town for a much more athletic horse in Baltimore? And the Preakness will find out in the 2 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time hour against with TVG Mike. Now... All the boys are here at Tone Diggs, Boston Connor, Ty Schmidt, at Viva Lazito has a poll that is currently up at Viva Lazito, and the poll is? Uh, the poll is about to go out. Who's the better quarterback? Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, or Russell Wilson? Okay, so oh. here we go. Bill's Mafia is going to get heavy onto that one because I am I'm in I'm I'm in trouble with the Bills Mafia, I guess, because I said Aaron Rodgers is better than Josh Allen earlier this week and mm. everybody lost their mind. I need to watch more Josh Allen. I, I I will hey, I look in the mirror and I see a guy that's flawed a little bit, okay? And that's what I'm gonna do this weekend. I'm gonna watch more Buffalo yeah. Bills football so that I can come back on the other side and still very much believe that Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Josh yeah. Allen. Yeah. But give Josh Allen a lot more a lot credit. Of credit. A lot of credit. That's sure. what I will do. Uh joining us now is a man who I can't wait to hear him talk about what the hell happened last night and also the three weeks prior to that. Ladies and gentlemen, Jets legend, pro bowler. Everything you could potentially think of, ladies and gentlemen, D Wood, Damian Wood. Oh no. They stink, D Wood. They stink. They fucking stink. (laughs) They're awful, awful, man. It's sometimes I don't even know why I waste my time, man, but I I guess I love uh, I love tragedy. I love tragedy. So here we are. Okay, so last night everybody thought this was the game. That if Adam Gase and Sam Darnold were going to get a dub in 2020, this was a layup, okay? Vaughn Miller, best player in the, on their team? Ah. Drew Locke, quarterback? Ah. Cortland Sutton? Ah. You start going through everybody. Jarrell Casey? Out. You start talking about all the good players that are out. They got a quarterback with no name, never heard of the guy before. If the New York Jets are going to win a game, it's Thursday night football in the Mega Bowl in MetLife Stadium against a team that has been battered and beat up more so than almost any other team in the league aside from the Niners who beat the hell out of the Giants just a little bit long ago. So I don't want to talk about New York too bad. But last night had to be the game the Jets fans that have been, you know, cautiously pessimistic. Well, Openly pessimistic, cautiously optimistic about a game. It had to be last night's game, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, think about it. You got a guy on a short week, undrafted free agent, in his first NFL start. If you're going to win a game, that's got to be the game. That's got to be the game. And all he does is come in and lights up the Jets on defense. Yeah, he had a couple couple interceptions, you know, later in the game. But you're not supposed to let an undrafted guy who's, who's going into his first start light you up. I mean, we're talking about the two worst offenses in the league in, in, in Denver and the Jets. Both. The Denver Broncos were averaging 15 points per game coming in, and all they did was hang up, what, 37 points against the New York Jets? Just pitiful, man. It's just pathetic. pathetic. I'm tired of watching pathetic football here in the New York area. Between the Jets and the Giants, I'm disgusted of watching this type of football, man. <laughs> Listen, D-Wood, we don't want to laugh at you, okay? We're laughing with you. Just because, you know, as you enjoy tragedy, we like watching people that have to go through tragedy. Because we know you're going to get out on the other side of this and in a better place. But it doesn't feel like that. As a Jets fan, I would assume. It doesn't feel like, hey, you know what? On the other side of these terrible football games we're playing, it's going to get better. It doesn't seem like there is a light at the end of the tunnel right now for any Jets fan and Giants fans too as well but Jets fans definitely no the sad thing is it feels like the rabbit hole is getting deeper you know like in the matrix I feel like I'm in the matrix right now still sliding and I haven't come out on the other side of this whole thing so you know I just every game I go in thinking okay it can't be worse than the last game but it ends up being worse than the last game so I don't know where the bottom is with the Jets apparently they're gonna hang on to Adam Gates throughout the whole season so Listen, if you got whatever kind of 
bourbon or scotch that you've got, man, your best stuff, you might want to send it my way because I'm going to be consuming a lot. Hey, we'll send you over some uh, sympathy, empathy, booze for sure. What do you got, Connor? Yeah, Woody, uh, if you're a Jets fan and let's say, you know, you're 15, 16, are you considering becoming a Giants fan just because the Jets have, you know, no future? Or what are you thinking? That's interesting. Why would you be a Giants fan? I mean, if the the Jets are the worst, if the Jets are the worst team, the Giants are 1B. Like, they're both awful. So, you know, my my son, my son, my wife has converted my youngest son to a, to a Cowboys fan. I don't know why she did that. But then she posed the question, well, what the hell else was I supposed to do? Make him a Jets fan? There's no way I'm going to do that. So I, why would anybody be a Jets fan right now? D-Wood, why do you think the Johnson family has come out and said that they think Adam Gase is an offensive guru or genius or something like that? Is that because they're just trying to stick up for their guy while everybody buries him? Or do you think they're actually oblivious enough to think that the team is in good hands right now? Well, first of all, I don't know who was watching tape over there in Florham <laughs> Park, New Jersey, saying that Adam Gase is an offensive guru. I mean, what the hell has Adam Gase done outside of paid man? Please, one one year with Jay Cutler look halfway decent? I mean, I'm t- somebody tell me what the hell has Adam Gates done in this league where he's gotten two bites at the apple as far as a head coach. They look like a disaster, an embarrassment on national, national TV. They should be relegated to Saturdays in college football. <laughs> <laughs> well, people forget. Ryan Tannehill was an all-pro whenever Adam Gase was coaching him. Yep. You know what I mean? That is the thing that people forget. Ad, Ad, Ryan Tannehill played his best football by far when Adam Gase was his head coach down in Miami. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a belly laugh right there. It is interesting, d because he did get another – like, for instance – Trent Richardson did not have a great NFL career, but was a superstar on Saturdays, right? He was. He was an incredible football player. The NFL didn't pan out for whatever reason, whether it was the game, whether it was off the field, whatever. But the Cleveland Browns draft him with the number one overall pick or or, uh, first overall pick. He gets drafted to the Browns, and they're like, oh, this guy isn't it. So the Indianapolis Colts went ahead and said, team I was on, like, you know what? We'll send you another first-round pick for that guy. So the Browns were like, sounds good. Okay. Get, uh, sounds good. Let's get you That's kind of what the <laughs> Dolphins did to the Jets with Gase. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a great head coach. Go ahead and fucking get him. <laughs> like, that is kind of yeah. – and the Jets were like, yep, sign him up. We'll take it. And to Gase's credit, I guess, last night he did sit up there on the press conference, and instead of acting like a – a snobby or arrogant person and downplaying it, he did mention that he thought they could be better and that he wasn't happy about this, which is good news because it felt like in the past he was always super defensive. And even though his resume shows that he's not that much of a good difference maker for people or teams. Hey, Pat, let me ask you a question. You were teammates with Peyton Manning, right? Yeah. Out in Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. And you know who's responsible for Adam Gase being the head coach here in, in, uh, with the Jets, your guy, you, your guy, Peyton My, Manning. No. Yes, Peyton Manning put in the call to, to Christopher Johnson and sealed oh, wow. the deal. My and guy? And now I'm miserable oh, along yeah. with all Jet fans, so you might be tied into this. No, no, you're teammates with paid men. No, no, no. Would. Don't you tie me into this mess. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I did find that out, by the way, because he was on, uh, Peyton was on the megacast with uh, Kirk Reese and Charles Barkley, and he was just telling stories and all this stuff. And I put out a tweet that was like, hey, when Peyton talks, like people should listen. His stories are great. His football breakdown is great. And then all I got was an onslaught of Jets fans like, oh, 
is that fucking right? <laughs> is that is that what we should do? And I didn't even know that that story happened until that tweet where everybody was like, oh, we should listen to Peyton, huh? Because now he has put us into a situation where we have a head coach right now that it doesn't look like he's getting fired anytime soon. You got a young quarterback that looks like his career is potentially getting dumped into the trash can. You got a lot of things happening over there. Everybody's like, what the? Frank Gore, poor fucking Frank Gore. <laughs> mm. That guy has laid his li- life on the line for football, and now he's at the Jets organization. They're running him on a wheel route in year 16 where if he would have caught the ball, it would have had to be a toe tip. Now listen, I'm not saying Frank Gore couldn't do that, but I just don't think that's the best usage of Frank Gore. And in, in the past, there's some red zone calls where they're running like trips and running two posts to the same spot. In the re- there's like a lot of things that are happening where you're like, what? There looks like there's no plan, there's no idea, there's no strategy, and it just looks like an amateur football team, to your point. Well, that's your guy. That's no, the office of guru, the guy that Peyton Manning recommended to to the to the Jets owner. Well, we got thirty seven year old, thirty seven uh, uh, Frank Gore running wheel routes. We featuring him in the passing game. That's how pathetic the, the Jets offense is right now. And I don't know, man. I don't know. Listen, as bad as they are, unfortunately, I'm going to keep watching. I'm going to keep watching them because misery loves company. I guess. <laughs> Dwood, not only are they bad, uh, but they seem to be dirty. Do you have any inside sources there that that you can tell us or know how much Greg Williams is actually offering to uh, kill a player on the other team? <laughs> Man, listen, I wish I I wish I had the inside scoop like that, but we know he has a track record, Ooh. and we saw what happened last night. How many personal foul penalties did the Jets uh, pick up last night? It was something like three, four, somewhere around that line right there. And we know that every defense that Greg Williams coaches, they do these type of shenanigans a lot. So, and we saw that Steve Smith on the mm-hmm. post game show last night, perfect, actually. that he doesn't give a damn about Greg Williams, doesn't like him at all. So, yeah, there's a problem there. It's interesting because you could very easily see how a defensive coordinator, especially one who has the track record of Greg Williams, saying, hey, rookie quarterback, it's his second year, but first start for a quarterback, we want to get in his way. We want to make him feel uncomfortable. And then whenever you see the tackles, which, by the way, very common sack maybe five, ten years ago, where you – face-to-face with the quarterback, wrap them up, and you try to bury them through the ground. Like, that is old-school football. Five, ten years ago, maybe okay. Now it's like there's rules against even landing 100% on a quarterback because Mm -hmm. the athletes in the NFL, everybody assumes, is athletic enough to catch themselves as opposed to trying to hurt. It seemed like there was a certain direction that the defense continued to go when it came to potentially altering the quarterback, and we saw it at the very end of the game. I mean, the very end of the game was the same exact style of tackle, face-to-face tackle land on it's just it does feel like greg williams potentially sent a message or maybe he's just a victim of his reputation maybe this is just the players making this decision without him but it sure does look like that guy is potentially saying hey you take off the head the body will die (laughs) which is exact quote about frank gore back in the day Uh whenever he got caught being recorded or whatever yeah yeah listen man Uh, if the jets don't do anything well they know how to collect penalties. They did that a lot <laughs> last night, and that's what bad teams do. Bad teams collect a lot of penalties. So, hey, congratulations, guys. You guys collected a whole bunch of personal foul penalties. That's great. Really great, guys. Way to help your cause. Uh, I'll tell you what, if you're going to be good, you might as well be great. Might as well be the best. Right. <laughs> 
Give us all the 15 yards. What do you got? D Wood, Pat alluded to it earlier with Sam Darnold and how this might just be like the end of his career. But do you think, uh, like, if they do fire Adam Gase, I mean, is he going to get another shot somewhere else or has Adam Gase actually kind of just killed his spirit? Because I feel like a lot of Jets fans are still in on this on the Sam Darnold train. I'm still a fan of Sam Darnold. I, I just feel I, I, like I see I see the the talent and the traits and. I just think the organization has betrayed him, man. The organization has betrayed him. The offensive line stinks. He's throwing the guys I've never even heard of before, you know, out there on the football field. And how are you How are you helping the young guy? And I look at, like, what all other organizations are doing with their young quarterbacks. All right? we Josh Allen in Buffalo. Look how they've surrounded him with just top talent in, in order for him to succeed. Baker Mayfield, look what the talent that they've given him. Huh. Although we still don't know what Baker Mayfield is going to be. And then you look at Sam Darnold. He's throwing the guys that look like they should be in the XFL or something like that, man. So it, it, it's just, oh, hey, I'm not trying to disrespect the Rock. Yeah. Like <laughs> Shout out to the Rock. Yeah. I'm Shout just out. saying. I'm just saying it's the NFL. We. The man needs some help out there. Dwayne Johnson said nobody will outwork us. I disagree. I don't think Jerry Jones is acting in any fucking movies. That's <laughs> <laughs> about one thing. No, I, I respect Dwayne Johnson in the XFL, but I think the mission statement is one that is immediately debunked whenever you think about how hard the NFL works to stay on top, which they do, by the way, and they are not. Yeah. But I'm pumped for the XFL. In a, even if you think Josh Allen, okay, you said that. Uh, Baker Mayfield, you said that. Look what they did for Kyler Murray out there, bringing Nuke as much as they possibly can. Look what Lamar Jackson, they've done with Lamar Jackson. They've completely converted the entire offense around him. Look at Patrick Mahomes. I mean, if you look around at all of the young quarterbacks, actually, if you start just kind of looking around, every single one of them. Now, I guess you would have to look at Danny Dimes. Danny Dimes would be the only one. It's in New York where you're like, okay, maybe they haven't surrounded Danny Dimes with a a potential to succeed as well. So maybe in New York over there, they just judge how the other team's doing and be like, well, they're not doing shit for their guy either. We don't have to do it. (laughs) Because fans don't matter. What do you got, Z? Oh, YouTube question, if you, if you yeah, want. Yeah, please. Uh, from Andy Reek. Hey, yo, D Wood. Uh, if the Jets fired uh, Gase, who would they? Who would you want them to hire? Great question. Is there anybody on the staff that is is supposed to go up next? Do we know that answer? I got. How about Jim Bob Cuda? <laughs> yeah. How about yes? The answer I'm is all yes. For, I'm all for that. <laughs> With yeah. that name, I need that. I want. <laughs> I want to hear Jim Bob Jim Bob Cuda every Sunday. You want to hear? Uh, you know where Jim Bob Cooter's from? No, where is he from? Tennessee. You know who got Jim Bob Cooter his first job? No, don't tell me the great McAfee. No, no, no. Peyton Manning. <laughs> oh. Do you- oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. No, well, that canceled it. <laughs> that canceled it. Listen, I love the name Jim Bob Cooter. That's, I love the name, but... You killed it for me just now. You killed it for me. <laughs> is there who is a coach you think? And because you never know, so like when McVay got hired, I think everybody was very surprised. I mean, then when Lafleur got hired, everybody was very surprised. Kingsbury gets hired, everybody was surprised. It was like this guy was just the USC offensive coordinator for what a week and a half, and now he's the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Who is somebody you think that could potentially step in there and take over the team? What type of coach do you think it would take to kind of turn around that Jets organization, Jets franchise? Well, man, it's gonna it, it's um it, it's boy it's gonna be a heavy it's gonna be a heavy haul because they need a lot of talent. They need a lot of talent. So first and foremost, got to got to get more guys on that roster because there's too many holes. I'm gonna give you a name that that I like. How about Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator in Buffalo? Um, I was with Brian Dayball 
in New England, when I played with New England, um, look what he's done with Josh Allen. I mean, he has Josh Allen right now playing like an MVP in this league. So he's going to be a name that's going to be hot. He's going to be hot after the season. Okay, so. Wait a minute, you, you, are you about to shit on my name just now? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you got that look in you. No, this whole week, though, I've been getting, I'm in entrenched with Bill's Mafia because you're not the only one to say Josh Allen's playing MVP football right now. Dan yeah. Orlovsky has said it, other people have said it, and I've just easily, no no offense to Josh Allen, love are Josh Are you hating on Josh No! No, no, no. Don't get hey, no, 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 hey, no, no, I'm not. Bill Mafia once before. I would never do it again. I did not. Never. I'm, not I'm not hating on Josh Allen. I am just simply okay. asking a question. Okay, who's playing better football right now? Josh Allen, who's playing amazing. Okay, absolutely amazing. Before this season, didn't have a 300 yard passing game. Now he's had three of them in a row. Here we go. Correct. Way to go, Josh Allen. I love it. He's jumped from first year to second year. Was big. He's jumped from second year to third year. Big. Bill's Mafia is potentially in the driver's seat of a division that they haven't been in the driver's seat for for like 20 years. I love Josh Allen. But you're saying he's a better football player than Aaron Rodgers right now? Come on now. Oh. Oh, oh no. What happened? Oh, oh, what happened? Oh, oh, oh wait, hold oh, 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 on. Oh, oh, are you disrespecting oh, Bill's Mafia? What Look what Damian Woody just did to <laughs> Look at Damian Woody just said about Josh Allen. Oh, wow. wow. Well, see, well, no, well. See, see, Pat, I know that A-Rod A-A-A-Rod <laughs> is on your show every week. <laughs> yeah. So I know you got to give him his props. But I'm I'm going with the young buck. No, young buck. No, going with the young buck right now. All right, we have some breaking news. I'm being told from the back. I would like you to stay on here for this breaking news because I do believe you'll be a part of it. Steelers Titans originally scheduled for Sunday is now October 25th at 1 p.m. on CBS. Steelers Ravens will move from week seven to weekend eight on Sunday, November 1st at 1 p.m. on CBS. Steelers Titans now have a bye, and the Ravens bye originally set for week eight will now be in week seven. So this was the initial uh, recommendation by the internet as soon as it was thought that there was potentially a postponement. Now the NFL has obviously seen the same thing everybody else has. Sucks for the Steelers who were originally supposed to have a bye week at week eight, which is the perfect place for a bye week. Now they have a bye week without even really knowing it. I guess there are some questions potentially about the Titans game next week because more positives continue to roll out from there. Uh, D. Wood, if you're on this team and – Coach Tomlin came out and said, we do not care. Like, he just, that's the way Mike Tomlin is. He is a no bullshit. We just want to play football. Let's keep it moving. The distractions can stay out of our locker and we don't care. If you're on that team, though, especially at a position like offensive line, which I know bye weeks are a rather important week, not only for the body, but also mentally. Is that anything you're thinking about? Or is it, hey, it's 2020. We got to do what we got to do. I mean, listen, I know this year is just a totally different year. But damn, man, like having a bye week early sucks. I had that one year. And I feel like total shit at the end of the year. So they're going to they're gonna say the, the correct thing and say, well, we don't have any control over it. We're going to go play. But I'm telling you right now, guys guys know, talking in the locker room, yeah, it, it sucks to put, to have a bye week this early in the season. See, I always anytime I talk about it, I always go like, not for me, but for the positions that have to like battle, 
right? And there there comes a time yeah. at the end of the season there. That's why the extra game was such a big talking point because there's guys at the end of the season that I don't want to say are crawling to the finish line, but basically crawling to the finish line, whether it's taking painkillers or, or whatever they got to do to get back ready by Thursday. Maybe even Friday guys aren't even feeling anywhere near game ready. That's why the Thursday night games are such a conversation. But at those positions where it's hand-to-hand combat and there's a lot of battling and things like that, offensive line, that's a real thing I think that doesn't get talked about much because it's like, hey, you get paid a lot of money, go ahead and show up. But the people, at the, guys at the end of the season are in bad spots. And those bye weeks are a massive refresher for everybody. Well, listen, a couple of things. Number, <clears throat> number one, for everyone out there, I mean, think about offensive linemen. You're involved in like 70, 75 train wrecks per game. I mean, that, that, that takes its toll on your body. And, Pat, you know this, man. When you get the schedule, one of the, probably the first thing you look for is when it's the bye. Oh, yeah. And so when, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, play on that team, you're thinking, man, I bye week fell in the perfect spot right in the middle. And now we're getting a bye week right at the beginning of October. So, I mean, that just changes your mindset. And they didn't even know it was a bye week until today right. they, they or yesterday right. they just found out it was a bye week. It's like, okay, now uh, figure it out, go out, play 13 more weeks, and then if you want to make a run, another four weeks after that, 17 more weeks straight, and do good football. It's like that's that's a lot of health you're going to have to think about going down the line there. So it has been officially made, though, by the NFL. Good news. Hopefully, if any other teams fall victim to this type of thing, their schedule is set up in a fashion to be done this easily and efficiently. Not 100% sure if that's ever going to be possible, but here we are. Sucks for the Steelers. Hope the Titans get healthy. We'll see them battle after the Steelers play the – no, before the Steelers play the Ravens, oh, which oh. – <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be tough. Uh, Derrick Henry, then Lamar Jackson, back-to-back for the Steelers <laughs> in the week that they thought they had a bye week. That's a slap in the face, but, hey, no other town could do it, Diggs. No other town could do it. Steel City could Steel, do that. You were born and raised on this type of Ladies shit. and gentlemen, absolute <laughs> incredible conversation. <laughs> D. Wood, we need to have you back. You're electric every oh. time you're on here. Ladies and gentlemen, Damian Wood. Yeah! You're the man. Joining us now via phone, man who's a head coach for the Lipscomb Academy down there in Nashville, Tennessee. Longtime NFL quarterback and ESPN pundit. Ladies and gentlemen, the man who trained Tua through an injured hip, a tornado, and still got him drafted top five. He'll say he had nothing to do with it because he's an incredibly humble, bald man. Ladies and gentlemen, Trent Dilfer. Yeah, I love it. I love everything about it. Lipscomb Academy special teams. Let's go win this thing with Phil Dawson, pal. That's how we roll, baby. We we value teams more than anybody. Well, you have to if you want to win game. All three phases matter, coach. All three phases matter down there. How is the team doing? How's Lipscomb Academy? This is your first year as a head coach. What are we looking to do? How have we done thus far? Second year, actually. Uh, first year wasn't that memorable. Only seven and six. It's all right, Pat. First year. Um, Every year's first year. We won 61 nothing last week. Oh, let's go! Wow. Good effort. Got a big opponent. Division up from us tonight uh, out of Memphis. So that'll be a challenge. But uh, guys are coming together. We're, we're a pretty good ball club. And our teams uh, lead the way. Have you – now – this is going to be a very aggressive question. You're a high school coach right now. Philip Rivers is getting into high school coaching whenever he retires in Alabama. you got Phil Dawson down there. I think you have some other guys, too, that have played in the game. Deion Sanders is coaching now. He's brought a couple other guys into the game. Is your mindset to just coach 
high school and enjoy it? Or is there a chance that you could potentially have a lot of success here and when the timing's right, move on up? Because it feels like there are some coaching positions that'll be maybe revolving doors for quite some time in the NFL if you were to ever really get the hang of this thing. Yeah, I mean, I get asked this a lot. I had some opportunities uh, the last 10 years to jump in the NFL or college and timing wasn't right. Uh, the way I tell the, my simple answer is I'm not going to leave a calling for an ambition. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I'm not going to say no to anything. It's This is an incredible staff I have. I'm learning more every day. Um, I want to finish the job here, but I'm not going to shut any doors moving forward. I'm not going to leave a calling for an ambition. What a line that <laughs> is, Coach. I mean, and last time I think you gave a speech about football, the last time you were on, that oh. was just – mesmerizing almost every day are you talking to the team is there a team meeting every single day how much interaction do you have with the squad especially with this uh you know covid world that we're currently living in that's a great question you know i um i try very hard to be strategic with the amount of words i use they're teenage kids they get preached to all day up at school uh they have to sit there and be static listeners most of the day uh you don't want to pile on top of that in the football environment so we have little vignettes is what i call them little moments where i try to capture their attention give them a theme um give a global message um but i try not to wear them out with the big teamies we never only once a week will we sit down where i address the entire team most other times it's on the field in the weight room while they're active uh trying to maximize those moments uh, a lot of one-on-one stuff. I, I think I, I tried my hardest to uh, connect with them on a one-on-one basis throughout the day, throughout practice, throughout weights, that way. But the last thing you want is, is to leave school after you've been up in a classroom all day long, come down, and now sit in another chair and listen to the coach uh, talk at you instead of with you. That's incredibly insightful of you, I think. And I assume that your players absolutely love it. That's why you're getting 61 zip dubs over teams. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the way you're doing it down there. And you said it was your calling there earlier. That's awesome. I'm happy you're enjoying the hell out of it. Do you mind if we talk a little NFL football real quick? I don't know if you've been keeping up with the game with all your busy high school coaching you have. I, I have. I've watched everything. I, I do want to say one thing. Since last time I was on, I can still confirm that social distancing is the stupidest term ever uh, invented. <laughs> that physical distancing, distancing should be the term, but social distancing still number one stupidest term that anybody's ever come up with. And you say that because humans are social animals. So the fact that we are basically stating to people to stay away from other humans and no interaction, it's kind of hurting everything if you think about it more so than helping it. Physical distance, yes, not social distance. Is that the – if I do recall – Absolutely. And there was this study that came out. I read the other night that a quarter of the kids surveyed said they've had suicidal thoughts coming out of quarantine. I mean, just think about that staggering number, uh, especially for these these high school kids. I mean, it's been amazing. I can't and I'm sure every high school coach that's watching this will go, heck, yeah, it's been amazing when they came in, how broken they were. And just after a couple months of being together, football, having something bigger than themselves, how their life is starting to breathe life back into them and they're actually um, thriving instead of just trying to survive. Whenever you said they were broken, what do you mean? Just lack confidence? They were kind of scared of everything because they were be kind of being locked in their own rooms without their friends for a while? And maybe, by the way, if you watch that Social Dilemma show, on these smartphones, you kind of get rubbed in your face what you weren't invited to or what this is happening yeah. and while you're being home, you feel like the FOMO thing, which is very real for a lot of people, they had that happening. Is that what you mean? And I, I, I'm never around humans that age, so I am genuinely intrigued by that. Yeah, confidence, identity issues, um, confusion. 
I think that's a huge one. You know, they're not 40 years old and know how to go through information flows, whether, you know, political information, um, just the stuff we're being fed all the time. So they hear little tidbits and they're forming these giant uh, opinions of stuff with limited information. So they're super confused. A lot of them admitted to me that they're looking at the wrong stuff on their phones, uh, on their computers. You know, they all had Wi-Fi still. And there's a lot of rotten stuff out there on the Internet. So a lot of kids are going down dark, dark tunnels um, with what they're uh, consuming during quarantine. Um, The lack of accountability. Um, Parents, even though they're at home, parents trying to do their jobs from the other room. Kid has no accountability. Um, Affirmation. They they weren't getting affirmed from their friends, from their social groups. Um, I mean, really broken kids. And now they're back. Like I said, the, the, the easiest way I can say is life is being um, breathed back into them by being part of something bigger than themselves and having all those those elements, um, the affirmation, being having their identity be shaped and getting better and being part of something bigger than themselves. I've said that like five times. Um, just the bigness of sport, the bigness of school, the bigness of extracurriculars uh, has helped really bring these kids back. And I would assume because you said, I, I feel like you said you were speaking for a lot of high school coaches that had to experience this. Is this a common thing whenever you talk to other coaches around, like what they experience? And and I would assume for you and your second year head coach, you're like, is this normal? Is this, what do I, is this a normal thing? And I would assume everybody's like, no, this is a very different world because we think about the physical health was the big thing here, right? Can't get COVID because physically you'll become sick. Mental health, which has been, I think, a, a much bigger topic of conversation in the world that we're in as of the last couple of years. And then this quarantine thing, it kind of got set aside, like, no, we're not going to talk about that anymore we'll just talk about the physical health and these kids have a wild time to be alive that's i'm, I'm potentially getting into the baby making game Trent. you know what i mean yeah. I'm, I'm potentially getting in there oh, yeah. and then i watch that social dilemma and i hear this and i'm like i don't know if i'm the right guy to to guide a ship here it seems like it is an almost an impossible task right now to have a child it's tough it's tough sledding it's all hands on deck all the time i mean uh, we've raised ours. We're empty nesters. But uh, now having 105 boys that you're caring for and be deeply concerned with each one of their challenges um, can can wear on you. And it's it's an all-day sucker every day um, because it's really hard. A lot of times they're not going to give you signs that they're struggling inside. So you have to keep communication channels open all the time. We try to be really transparent. Uh, I've shared a lot of my deepest and darkest moments with my team, my coaches, so they know that they can hear it from me, that they're, it's com- this is a comfortable place to talk. This office right here that you're looking at, I mean, there's a couch behind me. Uh, lots of families have sat on that couch. Lots of kids have sat on that couch and poured out their souls. And um, you have to be a good listener. you you got to be able to differentiate between football player and kid. Um, you got to love them like they're, like they're your own, but then hold them accountable on the field as football players. So... To all those high school coaches out there, have been doing it for years. I, you know, my dad was one, so I kind of had an understanding of it. Um, but these guys uh, that have done it 20, 30, 40 years, my hat goes off to you because the impact you're having is is next to none. Well, congrats, coach. We appreciate what you're doing for your team there. I got some phone call questions for you. Do you mind if we yeah. get them? All right, let's do it. Let's go to Matt in Sin City. What's going on, Matt? Hey, happy feel good. Phone it in Friday. Hey, you're damn right, Matt. What do you want to ask, brother? Let's go. Let's go. I've been big fan of yours, the boys, ever since the alleged incident and uh, Broad Ripple. But you know what they say? Hey, that's Broad Ripple, baby. Hey, it's alleged. <laughs> it's alleged. It's all alleged, obviously. What do you want to talk yeah, about, brother? Yeah. 
Awesome. So, uh, question really is to you and Trent. Uh, boys can chime in if they want. But uh, as a Colts fan, watching Andrew Luck get abused, is Sam Darnold Andrew Luck 2.0? That's a great question because you can put Sam Darnold and Joey Burrow into this world, I think, where they are getting slaughtered right now and pr- probably feeling as if they have to do way more than their actual job entails. Andrew Luck was the same type of player, but different situation because he was winning games. When you look at Sam Darnold's situation and Joe Burrow's situation, I think the only similarities is that they're both getting hit a lot. But Sam Darnold, that looks like a – because it's the new GM who probably doesn't have loyalty to him. There's not a – it's been – that's a bad situation. Sam Darnold's probably worse situation, you think, Trent? Yeah, worse than NFL. I lived it my second year in 1995. Um I will first of all I'll start by saying I stunk. So I don't want this to sound like complaining to everybody else. No. Yeah, yeah. I was legitimately the worst player in the NFL. Uh, look no. up the back of my trading card. People will forget this, but it's the worst statistical year a quarterback's ever had. No. Started every game. Hey, if you're not going to be the best, be the be, worst. Be the best at being bad. Yeah. But to compile it, you know, I had a lame duck head coach and Sam Weiss. Um, God rest his soul. Great man. Was a really good coach, uh, but just was in a tough situation. Uh, an offensive line that really wasn't up to par. You know, skill guys that didn't have anything extra. Good players, but not elite guys. Uh, and we were getting our brains beat in. Uh, I was getting my brains beat in. Um, we all were. Um, it's, it's really hard as a quarterback to not try to do too much. Uh, Sam has to learn. I know he got beat up last night a little bit and, and miss the half the game, but he's got, when he comes back, he can only do his job. He can't do 10 other guys' jobs for him. And it's the hardest lesson to learn because you grow up as a quarterback and you're always the dude. You always have the ball. You always win the game. You're always the reason you're winning. I mean, we're all narcissists. Um, like it's all, it's the same formula for every quarterback growing up. And then you kind of have to settle into this. Well, I just got to do my job first uh, and let the other things fix themselves. And then you're dealing with the rumors of your head coach being gone. Uh, who's going to be coaching me? How's this thing going to look? Um, am I going to have my? Am I going to have another deal with the Jets? Do I go somewhere else? I mean, all the demons start growing on your shoulders. Uh, it's a tough situation. Uh, the only way out of it is through grit, resilience, optimism, and by doing your dang job. If the guys open the flat, throw the ball in the flat. If you're supposed to check a run to the three technique, check to the three technique. If the guys open the middle of the film, hit them. Don't wait for something better to happen. And slowly start chipping away at your job and executing at a higher level uh, and then hope that the organization surrounds you with better people. We're talking to Super Bowl champion Trent Dilfer right now, now head coach in high school, uh, Lipscomb Academy in Nashville. He landed on his shoulder, got kind of trapped, tossed. It was a you haven't seen a tackle like that in a long time, to be honest with you. And he, he went out, and Troy Aikman, who's been in that situation, he immediately was like, oh, that looks like a collarbone. Look, I've had that before. And then he comes back out, so everybody's assuming it's EAC joint. But what do you think happened? He went back there, got an x-ray. They saw what it was. They gave him a shot, which probably had to hurt like hell. <laughs> and then he comes out. He plays. On the first play, he gets back in there. He gets sacked again, so he's on it again. Today, he's probably going to be in a sling, if I had to guess. But what do you think was the process when Sam Darnold left the field last night? I think you nailed it. If it's not a broken collarbone, that's an AC joint. I had 11 of them. So I think I had six on this side and five on that side. Um, you can inject them fine. It helps. Um, regardless, it's going to be painful. I think the real challenge is, yeah, 11. I think the real challenge is this week. You that's know, you can play yeah. with them. Um, now, it's hard, uh, and you're not going to really feel like it till late in the week. Um, but you earn a lot of respect from your teammates. Um, again, I, I played 
outside the one where I had a third degree on my right shoulder and broke my collarbone, I played the week after all my separated shoulders. And I was in a great deal of pain and shot them up. Uh, wasn't as effective, uh, but I think it speaks volumes when a player does that for his team. Uh, and I think Sam has that opportunity to uh, be a real tough guy here. If indeed it's not third, a third degree, you won't be able to play, but a first or a low second, he'll be able to play if he handles it right. And uh, his team will respect him a lot as this thing gets uglier because I think it's only going to get uglier in New York. I don't think it's going to get prettier anytime soon. Uh, he gets a lot of street cred with his uh, with his teammates and his peers around the league who see what he's going through. A lot of that that happens a lot in the NFL that I don't think people truly consider is like everybody else watched that game last night, saw what he's going through, and was like, "All right, Sam Darnold's a dude. Like that is a guy that we wouldn't mind having on our team." Let's get to Mason and you said it real quick. You said something really good there. He's a dude. Yeah. Dude qualities matter. You get that. Like, it matters if you're a dude. Yeah. You don't have to be a great player. If you're a dude, play a long time. <laughs> like, and, hey. and all the guys in the league saw, well, that guy has dude qualities. Like, yeah, he's playing crappy. His team's not very good, but that's a dude. And we know dudes when we see him. So I think, you know, pointing that out is a big deal. Yeah, and I, I do think – Whenever somebody says like ah oh, he that's a dude right like you got to have dudes to win a game like I I think that gets said sometimes by people who are former players but it's a it does have a pretty deep meaning like okay that you don't just throw that word around for a lot of people it's not like one of those things let's get to Mason and Flint what's going on Mason hey how you doing hey not too shabby we'll get hey let's get you some water yeah, up there yeah, water yeah, it's been way too, too long up in Flint we try to put a spotlight on that every time we talk about it what do you want to talk about Mason. Uh, does crowd noise really have that big of an impact on you punting at least, or at least Trent playing quarterback? Did it really have that big of an impact on you? Great question, Mason, because now you see Aaron Rodgers abusing the hard count in New Orleans, in the Superdome, taking advantage and winning the game for themselves. And it feels like, obviously, with no crowd noise, there's no home field advantage at this point. I think the Colts are allowed to have 12,500 people at the next game. Probably be able to hear that a little bit, but not enough to affect you, Trent. For me, I didn't care. I, when I went out there, I had my blinders on. I'm kicking the ball, whatever. I actually want to hear people go, ooh, even the, and if away teams do that, it's awesome, too. But for a quarterback with this type of atmosphere, it's probably not even something you're thinking about. It's just every game's the same game, right? Yeah, this is a huge deal for veteran quarterbacks in the NFL right now. We saw with Aaron the other night getting the triple count, jump off sides, pass interference, you know, seals the game for him. Uh, crowd noise is everything for quarterbacks. It is literally the biggest issue going into a road game. Uh, one, it gives their game records an advantage getting off the ball because your offensive line is going to be a little bit late off the ball. Um, communication, you know, so much of what we do at the line of scrimmage gets us into good looks or gets us out of bad looks. Um, so we can communicate to all their 10 guys uh, with a few words, um, but they all have to get it. It has to be echoed. Everybody has to be on the same page. You go on the road and you try to do that sometimes, uh, and only seven guys get it, and that doesn't work. <laughs> That's a sack fumble. So uh, it, not having the crowd noise is a huge advantage for these veteran quarterbacks going on the road. Uh, the, la the amount of anxiety during the week that is now gone, knowing that you have all these issues, knowing that these all these communication issues won't be a factor is huge. Um, and then the ability to use the snap count as a weapon. Um, the interview you did with Aaron was incredible. Um, he's the he's the maestro of using the snap count as a weapon. Uh, most of us that played a long time could really use it to our advantage. With no crowd noise, you can do it. But, you know, back in the day, going into New Orleans, going into Minnesota, going into Lambeau, going into Detroit, you know, places I played a lot of times, you you literally were silent count. You had no – you couldn't weaponize your count at all. In fact, the defense would weaponize it against you. So it's a very different style of football we're seeing now 
uh, just like a different style of life we're all living in 2020. I love whenever you hear lines from defensive linemen giving uh, checks or whatever that sound exactly like the cadence of the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, love yeah. I mean, it. Was, it was amazing when the NFL had to address it. The NFL had to make rules against it because it was happening so much, and the way they had to describe it was like, uh, we have a rule against uh, fake – Cadences coming from a three-point position in the—it was an entire thing. It used to really get guys. They should have named it the Culpepper Rule. Uh, Johnny Randall was really the first guy I remember doing it in Minnesota, and Brad Culpepper played with him as a rookie, came to Tampa, uh, and became an expert in it, and taught Sap and all those guys how to use it. And they would actually watch film, get the NFL films audio of the opposing quarterbacks' cadence, practice it. And then use it against us in practice, then use it in the games. Uh, it was guaranteed two or three times the opposing offense would jump against us because Brad and Warren were so good at it up front. And they would actually make an actual shift, too, so that they mm-hmm. could say, no, no, that's our – we didn't even know it was their – and the ref just having to be there like, you're obviously uh, you're obviously doing something right now, but it is not a rule. we got to do what we got to do. Trent, what's the mindset of a quarterback like Russell Wilson or Dak or Aaron who – who now they, they kind of have to feel like if they don't score on every possession, there's a chance that their team won't win the game. Yeah, I've never had to live that, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> I played with great defenses. I actually did. I lived it in college uh, 100 years ago. Um, it's kind of fun, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, but I got to believe they're, ex- they're excited about it um, because, again, it feeds kind of who they are. Like all these, all these guys are alphas. Uh, they all want the ball in their hand. They all want to take the last shot of the game. They, they, they're the reliever mentality, whatever metaphors you want to use. Um, they're all cut from the same cloth. And, and the more pressure that's on them to score, I think the more it brings out of them. Uh, I think they get it, it motivates them, inspires them during the week of practice to push their teammates harder, uh, helps them be more creative. Uh, they have more aggressive, uh, more aggressive mentality playing the position. The worst thing is playing quarterback with a defensive mentality. I lived it. Um, I was able to win a Super Bowl doing it, but it's a horrible way to live when you're trying not to make a mistake and try instead of trying to make a play. Um, so these guys know they got to try to make a play all the time. Um, they're constantly pushing the envelope offensively with their schemes and uh, with their throws, and they're watching each other, studying each other. Uh, that, if Mahomes can do that, then I can do it. If Russell can do that, then I can do it. If Aaron can do it, I can do it. And um, you know, I think it becomes you're you're seeing the greatest quarterbacking in the history of the NFL happening in front of you. Um, one because they're very talented. Two because football's changed; it's more offensive centric. And three because these guys have taken it upon their so- shoulders to. Um, do stuff that nobody's ever done at the position. Speaking of that position, we currently have a poll out. Viva Lazita, will you please read your poll right now? Yeah, who's the better quarterback? Uh, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, or Russell Wilson? Trent, let me explain this poll here for <laughs> you real quick before you uh, give your thoughts on it. Earlier this week, I was told by Dan Orlovsky that Josh Allen is the MVP of the NFL right now. And I said, okay, I like that you guys like Josh Allen. I like, is he a better football player than Aaron Rodgers right now? And Dan Orlovsky looked me in the eyes and said, yes. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're saying, and, and I got attacked by Bill's Mafia. So we just wanted to pull the people. We're a democracy here. Yeah, and right. Josh Allen is at 8.6%, but he's still in the conversation, which I think is great news for Bill's fan mm-hmm. that a third-year Josh Allen is in the conversation of who's potentially greatest in the league right now. But what you said, the quarterback play right now is at an all-time high it feels like is that because and Aaron Rodgers alluded this uh to this to us 
defenses feed off the fans a lot more than the offense feeds off the fans. So he thinks that not only the hard counts and things like that, but the natural energy of a defense is potentially down a little bit because of the lack of fans. Is that why you think there's a chance quarterbacks have been dominant so far this year? I think there's a lot of factors. That's definitely one of them. Um, I also think that with no OTAs, no training camp, um, very few practices, tackling's awful. Uh, defense is just trying to get a line right now. Uh, and offenses are so complex. I bet you defenses spend most of their days trying to get lined up and get their assignments right. So you're looking at remedial defense. Um, I was doing a show, this, I can't remember who I was doing it with this week, and I talked about the, the three easiest days to play quarterback in the NFL are the first three days of camp because the defense is installing their, their schemes. You're going to get cover two, cover three, cover four. Like you're just going to get basic college coverages, and us as NFL quarterbacks are going to shred that. Well, that's what you're seeing on game days. Like right now, they're still installing their base stuff defensively, so they're getting very benign looks, uh, stuff that Aaron literally could complete the ball in, in his sleep. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons. Now, to answer your question, I'm not dodging the who's the best quarterback. Uh, I, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers is one of the top three quarterbacks that's ever played the game. You know, if you're going to do a five-man five list, Thank I'm you. putting him is Josh? Uh, in the top five, probably in the top three. Uh, I think Russell will be on that list okay. one day. Um, Mahomes, maybe. Mahomes got a lot more years he has to do it. Like, again, I, my jaw drops every single time I watch him play. I'm not minimizing anything Pat's doing. Oh, you're going to get buried sure. for saying yeah, that. You just said it. Right I got, listen, I picked him to get killed in the Super Bowl. So, uh, they already hate me in Kansas City. Um, and Josh, you know, Josh is playing great football. Josh is a Central Valley guy in California, so I'm kind of biased. I mean, I, I'm rooting for Josh to be the best. Oh, yeah. But to put him on that list is kind of silly. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, oh, Trent. Trent, Trent Dilfer just attacked Bill's Mafia right there. <laughs> I did. Full attack. <laughs> um, I think Josh can be a great player. I've, I've been doing these little weekly hits on with Panini, and I talked about him two weeks ago. I think the level he's playing at is, is incredible. Um, but to talk MVP, I mean, I think it's a Russell. For me, it's Russell number one right now. Uh, Aaron would probably be two. Uh, Pat would be three. And then Josh Allen would be four. There we go. Yeah. 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 There we go. MVP race. Um, so good. The stuff Russell Wilson's doing, I, I usually have words for most things. I don't have words. <laughs> it's mind-boggling. He, he brings that ball down, down. And he talked about it with Randy Moss on his podcast. Randy was supposed to be a Seattle Seahawk. I guess they inquired about him whenever somebody got hurt. And Randy was like, I'm, I'm working out, but I'm not training. I'm not in the, like, the shape to be Randy Moss right now or whatever. And Russell Wilson had been hearing that story for the first time. And he said to Randy, he said, Randy, I would have thrown you a deep ball that would have came down from the moon. You would have never seen it before. That's his style. Of th- like, he's doing that on purpose, those balls that are coming down from the clouds. They're almost indefensible. You saw Gillylock. Stephon Gilmore was yeah. on the guy on DK Metcalf, and that thing just came in the bucket. How hard is that throw to do? Very hard, and it takes a ton of reps. Um, he's obviously very naturally get uh, naturally gifted. He's worked very hard on his craft, um, but I think they're they're a team, especially that works hard on the deep ball because um, it's one thing to throw perfectly. It's another thing for the receiver to to catch the ball, not catch the ball physically, catch but pick it up mid flight uh, and adjust his angle. Uh, accordingly, I, I think that takes a lot of work, and they do they do a both perimeter so down the boundary, but they do a ton of crossing routes with it too. And you know, you could be running at a forty five degree angle, and Russell throws it at a thirty eight degree angle, and you got to catch the the trajectory of that ball early. Uh, you got to pick up its flight early and adjust your route too. And they do a great job with that. So uh, it's blowing my mind. I, this is the biggest thing that gets me about Russell 
is that, and my wife actually brought this to my attention. She goes, why is it every time that I'm just casually watching a game and I know the Seahawks are going to throw it, that Russell Wilson somehow gets a first down and none of the other quarterbacks do? <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty good commentary on her part. <laughs> every time everybody, every time I knew you were going to throw it, you never got the first down. <laughs> Me. She goes, all these other quarterbacks, no, every time I know they're going to throw it, they don't get the first down. Every time Russell's throwing it and I know he's going to throw it, he gets the first down. What does that mean? I said, well, it means he's the best. It's the same thing at the end of games. Like if there's, if you're on your own eight-yard line, there's a minute 38 and you're down four. I'm taking Russell. I just, for whatever reason, I just feel like he's done it more than anybody else. He's going to go the distance and somehow punch in the end zone. I can't believe you didn't say Josh Allen there. That's (laughs) unbelievable. Ladies and gentlemen, head coach of Lipscomb Academy down in Nashville, stay away from the Titans. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, legendary quarterback and guru with a great beard, great beard, great beard right now, Viking-like beard. Ladies and gentlemen, Trent Dilfer. Sorry to interrupt, I just want to let you know that this particular office has a good tag team partner. This particular office gambles with the greatest sports book on planet Earth. This particular office, whenever they put up a high five, a company comes back on the other side, and that company is FanDuel. FanDuel has the greatest in fantasy, daily fantasy. They have the greatest free-to-play games. And when it comes to an online sports book, a mobile sports book, they are second to no one. Greatest tech in all of sports gambling, okay? The app is very easy to use. Sometimes too easy to use, to mm-hmm. be completely candid with you. But whenever you get hot, like I currently am, it is a beauty to kind of sort through all the best lines, all the best odds, the best fantasy things, everything you could think of that you would want to do in a mobile sports book, mobile fantasy, mobile free-to-play app. Fando has it better than everybody else. And that's, that is not debatable. No, it's not. We did a survey with more than 10 people mm-hmm. on what their favorite was. Survey said! Fandle swept. Every single time. Big shout out to Fandle. Big shout out to you for listening. And if the mobile sports book from Fandle is not in your state yet, we're coming to your city at some point. Okay? It's not really Fandle's fault. Uh, they There's a lot of politics involved in that mm-hmm. entire thing, which I think if we all have noticed anything about politics, it's all kind of a shit show. (laughs) So FanDuel's trying to dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge your way through all of that to get to your state. And if we're in your state, let's go ahead and have a good time. If we're coming to your state, I can't wait to have a good time alongside you. And I can't thank FanDuel enough for being as awesome as they are. Right now, if you're a state that has mobile sports gambling, download the FanDuel app and let's get to it. If you're somebody that enjoys fantasy football, Download the FanDuel app. Let's get to it. We can't thank you enough, FanDuel, and we can't thank you enough for using FanDuel, who has supported the hell out of this office. Uh, back to the show. Now let's pivot to a team that's been great for, I don't know, feels like 55 years at this point. <laughs> this man scored a touchdown from jumping 21 feet, getting dunked on his head last week, and two tutters in total. Ladies and gentlemen, three touchdowns total. Ladies and gentlemen, legend of a man running back for the New England Patriots, Rex yeah! Oh, yeah, I appreciate having me, man. Thank you for joining us. Massive weekend last weekend for you. I assume it's just another day at the job for you, but that had to feel like a pretty good Sunday to contribute like that. Yeah, it was a good game. Good game all around. And, uh, you know, we're definitely looking forward to the challenge this week in KC, though. Whenever you're flying through the air about to land on your head and you're going to score a touchdown, does that kind of equ- <laughs> like they kind of offset each other? Like, oh, I might land on my head. Ah, I'm scoring a touchdown there. Who cares? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're scoring, so it doesn't matter. Just give your body up. Your team this year is one that I think was talked about in a different fashion than in years past, obviously, because the constant of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick being the tag team was no more. And there was a lot of dramatic stories. There was books. There was interviews. There was all this stuff. But when it comes to football, when Cam Newton gets signed after being a unemployed human for 86 nights somehow, and Bill Belichick signed, at what point did you realize? Was it was there Zoom calls happening? Was it already in person? At what point did you realize, like, oh, this cam thing is going to be awesome up here? And was it immediately just because, oh, Bill made this decision? Or was it like, okay, at one point you saw it. You're like, okay, cam's going to be awesome for us. Yeah. I mean, you always trust in Bill. I mean, he, he's super intelligent, knows what he's doing, knows how to put a team together. Um, but then just seeing cam's preparation every single day. And then, of course, going out and playing with him. You see why he's been a former MVP. Um, and just, of course, being out there with him, how much fun he has playing the game. And, just the abilities to make plays. And you've played in other places. I believe you're at Cincinnati. I think that's where you met A.J. Hawk. You're in some other spots. Whenever you get to New England, they always talk about the Patriot way, the Patriot way, the Patriot way. Is that overblown, or is it different than anywhere else you've been in a couple different fashions? Yeah. I mean, of course, we have our uh, unique, unique uh, way in business of going about things. I mean, just high expectation standards every single day. And, um, you know, we love competing, and that's what Coach Bill – uh, preaches to us every single day and so if you want to say that's the patriot way then uh, i guess that's what it is that's hilarious that their way is winning football games. <laughs> yep hey, i tell you what the patriot way up here what what, what is the patriot way oh they uh they practice hard okay right. what else do they do they learn about situational football okay they work out hard okay they have a coach that is trying to outdo the other coach uh-huh. okay so the patriot way is uh like just winning football? Is that what the Patriot way is? It feels like that. It really is what it is, though, because there's no reason that any team, even if you have a, a entire roster filled with great players, should be this good for this long, Rex. It's just not a normal thing. Do you guys realize that in there? Like, hey, this is not what it's like everywhere, or is it just, uh, hey, we're doing day-to-day. Let's just keep it moving. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, a little bit of both, honestly. I mean, it's just a day-by-day thing. Like I said, you know, the expectations are high. Um, and Bill enforces that. He makes sure you're never, you know, just resting in what you've done in the past. You're growing, you're getting better every single day. And uh, that's a challenge for us. Um, we can't think about last year or the previous seasons. It's all about now, the present, and this year. Bill Belichick, whenever he's mic'd up, is the best. And the shots of Bill Belichick on the sideline are awesome. You guys score a touchdown, and there isn't even like a break. There isn't even a break in his face or in his consciousness of celebration or happiness. A touchdown is like a first down. It's a completion. It's just a part of the process. Is Bill always like that? Or is in practice and in meetings, there's a different side of Bill that we see like his dog drafting for him, like an awesome side that he just refuses to show everybody outside of the building? Yeah, no, I mean, Bill's great. I mean, of course, you see him locked in on game day, um, you know, and always thinking about the next play, but – um, you know, he definitely has some jokes he throws around that are pretty hilarious and, um, you know, likes to keep it loose every now and then. And so um, that's just how he is. And uh, that's why he's so great. Was there anything said about the shirt that he wore to that press conference? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Julian was a big fan. <laughs> There's probably only a couple guys, I'd assume, that have been around long enough that could chirp at Bill Belichick. I assume Julian is one of them. 
Yeah, yeah, Jules, he has a little leeway, just a little bit, though. <laughs> <laughs> squirrel, I think is what they call him. Isn't they call him Squirrel. What do you got, Diggs? Squirrel, yeah. yeah squirrel. Hey, you got to get a nut, dog. What do you got, Diggs? <laughs> Rex, it always seems like the Patriots, for at least for the last couple years, few years, has been a running back by committee, and then you don't know if it's going to be like some back's going to get 28 carries a game or some back's going to get 15 catches a game. At what point during the week do you guys have an idea of who's going to have the big game as far as the running backs go? Yeah, it's honestly not until game day. Um, just seeing how the game's flowing, seeing what we're getting, um, you know, whether that's, you know, what type of defenses are running, the looks we're getting. Um, you know, it can turn into one guy's game or it can be someone else's. Um, it's really all up to what we're getting on game day. Um, last week you scored three touchdowns and you legitimately might be a healthy scratch this weekend. And everybody, <laughs> and everybody would just be like, yep, that, yeah. hey, that's just how it goes up there. That's just the way it goes. What do you got, Connor? Yeah, Rex, uh, we actually added another running back off the IR this week, uh, Damian Williams, or Damian Harris, excuse me. Uh, what do you expect from him on Sunday? And do you think he's going to get any burn or what? We, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I can't comment on that. That's up to the coaches um, as far as him getting out there on the field. Um, but Damien, he's a tremendous player, very talented, um, of course, and, you know, just another piece to add to our offense. I think you guys are getting James back this week, right? James is back in the building practicing. What an incredibly difficult situation to happen in the middle of the season, especially on a game day for his dad. Saw you get emotional about that. Like the running back is obviously a family room over there. Him coming back to the team, what has it meant? Yeah, it's been huge. I mean, he's a tremendous leader for this team, you know, has been for numerous years. And, um, you know, just going through a tough situation. He's a brother to us, you know, being another running back. Uh, you definitely feel for him, definitely hurt for him. Um, but just having his presence back here and, um, you know, just trying to get him back in the routine with meetings and out on the practice field um, has been great. Uh, let's talk about another player who is – been awesome up there and we talked about him a little bit earlier in cam he started out better than he's ever played football before uh, according to pro football focus didn't have his best game against the raiders but has he changed it all this week because the 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 commentary outside of your building is like yeah it's good now everything's going good everything's going good the people that want to see cam newton fail which we are not but the people that want to see cam newton fail are like let's see what happens whenever there comes a bump in the road or whatever and although you guys got to win it wasn't his best game how has this week been for Cam Newton? Did Bill Belichick do the same thing he's always done with Tom Brady, which is like, hey, you got to point out this, 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 and this? Is it been the same exact Cam and the same exact Bill in this situation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Cam, you know, he's all about winning. And, um, you know, we got to win last week. And, um, you know, of course, as a player, you always want to improve. You always uh, want to learn from your mistakes. And what I've seen from Cam is he's been locked in every single day and, um, you know, ready to go for Sunday. Was there any issue between Pat the Patriot and Cam Newton for the number one jersey? Oh, yeah. <laughs> none, none that I've heard. None that I've heard. So, I don't know. You may have to ask someone else on that. May have to ask Cam. Yeah, well, we have a guy in this building that said uh, Cam Newton could not get the number one There's because Pat the Patriot's a veteran on the team. It's been 17 years. I don't know how he's just going to give up his number Massive like that. Massive chance. Yeah, it was this guy, right? Yeah, that, that it, it could have right. happened. It was that idiot right there, Rex. Um, <laughs> how's it been playing with no fans? The Because Foxborough – is in that's a real home field advantage and it never gets talked about people talk about seattle i talk about baltimore and houston i say those places are awesome and foxborough is a place where those mass holes get going i mean it is a very real thing what has it been like obviously i've asked every player that is playing right now the big difference because it just seems so different it seems weird to be completely candid yeah it is different honestly i mean you don't have any fans in the stands so it's not as loud 
Um, I mean, you're hearing everything from the people on the sidelines, you know, across the field, on your sideline, out on the field. I mean, you hear everything. And so it's definitely a little different, a little weird um, playing. I mean, I had a ton of fans I was playing in front of, you know, in high school growing up in Texas. And so, um, you know, it's definitely a different feeling. But once you get out on the field, of course, um, you get locked in on your assignments and just play football. Varsity Blues, an accurate depictment of your life? <laughs> I would say totally accurate, no. Oh, you're telling me that's not a documentary? Son of a bitch. It's unbelievable. Not, not in my high school, I guess, no. How, what was the biggest stadium you played in front of in high school? Uh, so I played in front of, at Cowboy Stadium, the old Cowboy Stadium. We played, played in front of 50,000 fans. Jeez. Yeah. High school football, dude. It's different. Um, what part of Texas? Uh, Plano, just outside of Dallas. Where was the Big Green filmed? <laughs> The, the big what'd you say the big green soccer movie i think you oh, remember i think in north texas is that right yeah i have no <laughs> idea all i know is the big green texas i know dallas texas mm -hmm. i know austin's like the hipster tech texas and then i know some other that's all i know about texas but we all know high school football there reigns supreme what do you got Dix? rex were you pretty pumped that it was nebraska that basically led the charge to bring back big 10 football yeah yeah i mean <laughs> You know, Nebraska wants to play, and all their people do. I mean, that's that's what they got in the state of Nebraska. I mean, a lot of stuff rallies are behind that, and so I wasn't surprised at all they wanted to play. How has Bill, how has Bill addressed the Titans situation? Because I would assume every NFL team is pointing at what's going on with the Titans right now and saying, hey, we don't know whose fault this is, but this is an example or whatever. Has Bill even talked about that, or is the expectation like, hey, you guys all got to handle your business here because if not, the season can get literally thrown away. The Titans' next week game might be getting postponed because the amount of positives coming out of there yeah just to be kind of careful um you know you never know when you can you can get it um you know it can spread rapidly and so just really you know make sure we're wearing our masks washing our hands um you know make sure we're not going into places we don't have to be at um, unless they're necessary so uh that's really just kind of you know just letting us know what we need to keep doing well, Rex, we can't thank you enough for joining us on this Feel Good Fun in Friday. One week removed from having 100 yards and three touchdowns, and nobody has a clue what you're going to do this weekend. Can't wait to watch <laughs> Texas guy, Super Bowl champion, Patriots running back, Rex Burkett. Yeah, Rex. Yeah. Uh, so sorry to interrupt. I just want to let you know, I don't know what you're listening to this show with. Maybe it's on a speaker, okay, and it's it's pounding throughout the house. And if that's the case, let me go ahead and hope I turned it into a rave there for a little bit. Maybe also this, just to kind of piss you off uh, and give you a little moment of upset. Say hello to your dogs that are now currently going crazy. I wish I could enter a doorbell sound right now, too. And this is mostly just to fuck with my wife right now, who's home with two dogs, four cats, and everything else in between. So I apologize for that little moment. But if you're listening to the show with some headphones, I would strongly urge you to think about making the change to the Raycon E25 Everyday Earbuds. They are... Half the price of all the other things that are, all the premium headphones that are out there. They also have the exact same amount of boom boom. They have six hours of playtime. They have seamless Bluetooth pairing. And they have an assortment of designs and fits that makes every ear look 
unique and every year look perfect and it's a real noise isolating fit when you put it in there i've said this numerous times i got weird ears okay i've never been able to use the things that go into your ear eh? and everybody knows i have a hole in my eardrum but that is not a part of this what i'm talking about is the actual shape of my ear and the good thing about raycon especially their e25 everyday earbuds is it comes with different sizes of the thingy to put into your thingy mm-hmm. so you can have an extra small small medium large extra large ear whatever it is they want to make sure it's a nice noise isolating fit and they have done that for me it's a whole new world with the everyday e25 earbuds and i'm very thankful for that ray j founded this company shout out to him and uh, earbuds are obviously half the price of any other premium. They sound just as amazing. Uh, they have all the same boom, boom. They have a compact design. It's a nice noise isolating fit. And Raycon has a 45 day free return policy. So you can make sure they're the pair of wireless earbuds for you. Did not know that. I did not know that either. That was just added, I think, onto this particular piece of paper I'm being told to read. Not bad. You can easily return them after a 40 four days mm-hmm. if you do not like them but that will not happen because these will fit your ears better than anything has ever fit your ears before right now go to buyraycon.com forward slash sports talk and you get 15 percent off your order that's buyraycon.com forward slash sports talk for 15 percent off your order this obviously was brought to you by raycon and this show continues right now <laughs> Tomorrow, massive horse race day. Yes. Saturday, October 3rd, 2020. You know what's popping off over there in Baltimore? What's what? that? It's the Preakness. Oh. It's the, hey, this year we can't run on top of Porta Johns and get beer cans thrown at us or get wasted in That's the infield. Shame. But it is the time for the ponies to run like the ponies can run. And to join us now to tell us which horses to bet on. Unlike what he did with the Kentucky Derby, this time he's going to give us only winners. Ladies and gentlemen, TVG Mike. Yeah! What's going on, Mike? Uh, well, I guess I deserve that intro, um, <laughs> but I do want to say it doesn't need to be Preakness for you to run across the top of Porta Johns and get beer cans thrown at you. You can do that anywhere in any way you want. Um, it is always most fun to do that in Baltimore, the third Saturday of May. But yeah, I apologize on Tis the Law. My bad. Nah, well, yeah, you lied right to our face. Cost us all a lot of money, but you did it in an entertaining fashion and an informative fashion. So we're excited to get you back on here. And I will say to your Porter John beer tossing thing, that does feel like that's a socially distant activity, much like golfing, baseball, cricket. There are some socially distant sports, and that is definitely one of them. Tomorrow at the incredible... Pimlico, Pimlico, yeah. Pimlico yeah. horse track. Uh, the Preak Nasty will be happening. What horses should we have an eye on, Mike? Who's going to get a win? Who's a long shot that could potentially Ooh. launch our bank accounts into superstardom? What are you thinking, Mike? Okay, so let's first let's start with Authentic because he won the Derby and he's going to get bet. He's going to be your favorite in the Preakness as they always are. And you didn't really need me on your show because one of the boys asked me, hey, what about Bob Baffert's horse? Sometimes it really is just that easy. Here's the thing about Authentic. He's just getting better. And the way he won the Derby is he went out there and ran faster than everybody else in the early stages. And he had to use a lot of energy to do so. And what I thought was going to happen is when they turned for home, he was going to get caught because that's a really far way to, to run like that. And he had the best horse in the world sitting at his hip bone and he never let him by. And he ran the seventh fastest Derby of all time. So he's really, really good. He's really good. I didn't think he was that good. He's really good. 
Now I'm going to try to beat him because I'm a glutton for punishment. There's nice. a horse by the name of Art Collector. He's not going to be a huge price. Ooh. Somewhere in the rounds of, you know, five to two or in sports betting, it's going to be like, you know, plus 350, something along those lines. Art Collector was supposed to run in the Derby. He would have been the second choice and he just got a tiny little injury. Nothing to write home about, but enough to miss the race. He was going to be the second choice in the Derby. He looked like the second best three-year-old going into that race. And unfortunately, he couldn't run. So now he's back. He's running fresh. He's going to go into this race as probably the second choice, but certainly one of the most talented and accomplished horses in here. And because Authentic won the Derby, Authentic is going to go favored, and you're probably going to get a little bit better of a price on Art Collector. Had they lined up next to each other in the Derby, Art Collector would have been half the price as Authentic. So now, just based on that one race, you're getting a flip-flop in the odds. So if you're going to gamble, to me, Art Collector is the best. Let's go! Hey! I don't know if what you said was right, but the way you said it made me feel like you got a lot of confidence in that pick. And for me, that's all I need to hear. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll gamble at TVG. What time does the coverage start and everything like that for the Preak Nasty tomorrow? Okay, so the Preak Nasty is going to go off at around 5.30 Eastern time, and you can watch that on NBC. TVG, though, we've got coverage leading up all week. We have a live crew out there at Baltimore, some of our best and brightest. There's racing all day today. So just turn on your television at about you know noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, and we'll have all the races at Preakness until the coverage goes over to NBC Sports Network and then NBC Big Net, NBC for the actual Preakness. And if you're wagering, uh, the news I just got yesterday actually was that the FanDuel Racing app is now available for everyone. Hmm. Um, FanDuel Racing, yes, FanDuel Racing has an app for you to wager on. And it's geared to where we have all these nerds on the eighth floor in the Megalocorp that do all these computer things to make it work friendly for people used to daily fantasy and sports betting. So the FanDuel Racing app is up. We also have a lot of nerds working in the company except for marketing. They're all drunks. They just get hammered. (laughs) Their meetings are like it's in like a barn in Kentucky with like a moonshine jug full of bathtub bourbon. And they just come up with the same idea every time, and it's just giving people money. Like, hey, I know what we're going to do. Let's give people $50. They'll open an account. Well, you've got $50 if you open a FanDuel racing account. Deposit 50 and they'll give you another 50 just like that. So if you have 50 bucks, you now have 100 on the Preakness. By the way, that's how our marketing meetings go mm-hmm. as well, just in Indiana, as opposed to in Kentucky where all the horses live. What do you got, Diggs? Uh, do you have – TVG Mike, do you have a good – trifecta box for us uh for the preakness all right so this is what i'm going to tell you to do i'm i'm not going to let bob baffert beat me with authentic again in some way shape or form so i would throw him in your box with um art collector so the art collector is the number three mm-hmm. authentic is the number nine i would use them in anything you're using hoping that one of them comes out but here's some big huge bombs i would throw in there the number 10 pneumatic coming off a big run. I don't know if he's good enough, but his last race was pretty sensational. And then the horse that ran in the Derby as well is a horse named Mr. Big News. He was third in the Derby. So he was right behind Authentic and and Tis the Law, and he was closing with a rush. And he wasn't ever going to get to those winners, but he beat everybody else, and he's a deep closer. If it goes really fast in the early stages of the race, he's the horse that could pick up the pieces and maybe get second or third. If he's good enough to win, you know, God bless you for having him, but he's going to be 10 or 1 or higher. And he's the... He's the number two, Mr. Big News. So I would use the two, three, nine, and ten if I was playing a trifecta. Okay, that's what we're going to do, by the way. I think trifecta is three. That seems to be four horses, but we'll figure that out at a different time. Ladies and gentlemen, our horse expert, the electric factory that is, TVG Mike. Thank you, gentlemen. Good luck. Where are you, down in Florida still? 
Uh, no, I'm I'm in uh, I'm at Santa Anita here in Arcadia, California. Yes, tomorrow is the Super Bowl of horse racing in Baltimore. So for live coverage, let's go to Mike in California. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense if you don't think about it. TVG Mike. <laughs> Okay, so authentic, art collector, pneumatic, pneumatic. Mm-hmm. Pneumatic. They used to be a DJ, I think. No, Illmatic. Yeah. Yeah, you get it. There's only a couple people that actually get that, what I just said, which is <laughs> great for radio. Uh, and number two, Mr. Big News. And the trifecta is three of them. Yes, they, you have to, but you can pick six horses if you want to finish in the top three. It just weakens your odds. Okay, here we go. Or your so, payout, So I those say. are the four he'd say that could finish in the top yeah. three. It might weaken your odds, but you, you yeah. sure swing maybe a horse thing if you, uh, yeah. if you hit that thing. Huh? That's it. That's the show. Thanks to all the guests. Thanks to you for listening. Hashtag end of pod squad. Go ahead and send us a tweet, us a picture of some sort. Zito will sort through and send some, some merch to... The people that stick around to the end of these shows, especially on this feel-good phone-it-in Friday, we appreciate you for doing that. The NFLPA just texted me a Friday tip. Oh, nice. What do they got? If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, guess what? Hmm. You're a leader. John Quincy fucking Adams. Oh, Jesus. Well, think about that (laughs) as you go into the weekend. Uh, From all of us to all of you, uh, thank you. From all of us to all of our guests this week, thank you. We'll be back Monday. Have the greatest weekend of your life, obviously with the circumstances we're currently under. Have the best time of your life as well, obviously under the circumstances that we're currently under. Mm -hmm. We can't wait to see you Monday. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music and launch and propel these people into the greatest weekend of all time.
Let you go. Oh, Paris, I won't 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 let you go. Oh,